Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. You have tuned into episode number 528 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet this is linux in the ham shack we are back from our winter break holiday break whatever you want to call it and we're going to get right into things again in 2024 the brand new year with a deep dive episode so we're glad you're here thanks for showing up and being a part of the program looks like we have a, a good load of people in the live chat tonight so should be a really good show we have an interesting topic, and before we get into that interesting topic, we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. Yeah, so we're all here after much gnashing of teeth and nearly throwing things. Uh, but we are ready to do episode number 528, so we should probably go ahead and get into it. And this was a topic that was suggested, I guess, by Bill, so we'll let him handle the introduction Oh, really? I, I suggested this? Oh, yeah, I did suggest this, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, yes, you did. <laughs> That's right. Uh, when I uh, was doing my new Shack Pewter build, I decided to uh, give JTDX Improved a, a spin uh, as my WSJTX daily driver replacement. And I have not uninstalled it yet. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a basically a drop in replacement for WSJTX. It is, uh, it's described as JTDX. This is the improved version. So this is actually an alteration of JTDX itself, uh, is an enhanced version of JTDX by Igor Chernikov et al. <coughs> Uh, both my and Igor's forks are based on the excellent WSJTX software by Joe Taylor, K1JT, Steve Frank, uh, K9ANN, uh, Bill Somerville, sorry, G4, I can't even read the screen again. <laughs> I'm so blind. <laughs> Let me zoom in a little bit more. Oh, now I can read it. There we go. Uh, and others. Uh, of course, on the WSJTX uh, site. After the success of my uh, WSJTX underscore improved project, that is also linked in the show notes, I thought it was time to implement some of its enhancements now also to JTDX. Note that this JTDX version is experimental and is licensed under the GNU GPL version 3. I am not aware of any adverse uh, effects. However, use it at your own risk. Yes, this is a definitely... Uh, uh, <laughs> Kick, kick the tires, <laughs> kick the tires to see if it works for you. Um, some of the, uh, some of the, the, the features that they list, which I'm just going to give it to you here, uh, real quick. So we can kind of just lay out some of the, uh, some of the niceties about the program, why it's different. And then we'll get into the details with how we installed it and such like that. But the features that they, uh, show on the website, 
is uh, the GUI of the main window has been optimized. It is now similar to that of the WSJTX improved AL, uh, but there is also a version with JTDX's default GUI. Uh, FT8, FT4, and JT buttons make it easy to switch between the frequently used modes, uh, useful when menus are hidden. Uh, In the wide graph window, text of control checkbox has been removed to prevent accidental ticking when setting lower audio frequencies. Uh, Some fixes to the general release have been put in there, like the latest Hamlib files, etc. Band hopping is in place for FT8, FT4, and JT65. A new tab 3 has checkboxes for the most important FT8, FT4, and JT65 frequencies. Just select the band's modes you want and push the band hopping button. Automatic band hopping takes place every other full minute. Uh, Very useful together with PSK Reporter to get an overview on the current propagation. Option to highlight all messages with my call by a yellow or cyan background, just like uh, WSJTX. Highlight messages with a DX call, DX grid. That's very similar. Uh, Play individual alert sounds. Um, new DXCC, new grid calling you, etc. cetera. Uh, note this feature requires that your rig is connected to USB audio and that the audio sync is not named default. I'm assuming that would be bad <laughs> because they would probably send your little dings and rings and everything else directly out to your uh, JT8 or you know FT8 frequency. Uh, let JT alert highlight individual call signs, grids, or DT values. Works with JT alert versions 2.5.1.3 as with JT WSJTX or WSJTX improved. New double click on the lookup button searches on qrz.com for the call sign from the DX call box and there's a new optimized dark style sheet. Downloads are available from them from the uh, SourceForge site for Win32, Win64, uh, Raspberry Pi 3, and 4. I guess that's the ARM, right? So ARM HF is the old one, and ARM64 is the new one. Uh, RPMs, DEBs, and uh, macOS has uh, Intel-only builds. So that's the, the generic stuff that's out there for the application. Now, we both installed it. Uh, I've been running it for quite some time. Russ just recently installed it, I'm assuming today. So he's fairly new to it. <laughs> when I installed it, I have it on my, uh, my Manjaro box, which is an Arch Linux box. And I installed it with, through the AUR, uh, which is the uh, Arch user repository, uh, which was really simple and made it a one-click install. Um, but I, I'm assuming Russ is going to tell us a little bit about the perils of getting this installed on his Bodhi box, right? You're running Bodhi? I am running Bodhi, which is running the newest version. Uh, well, it's it's either 2310 or 2304. I can't remember which one of uh, Ubuntu. They do have, you know, deb files for 2004, I think, and 2204, um, which... I'm sure if I was running one of those two things, it would have been wonderful, uh, you know, single click or dpackage i or whatever, or apt install. I, yeah, I guess I shouldn't go back to the old dpackage i days, right? That's uh, that's way. That's way how you break stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Uh, but anyway, if you're running uh, any of the 23 versions of Ubuntu, whether it's Bodhi or Ubuntu itself or whatever, presumably those don't work. And I can say presumably because I didn't try it on all of them, but I tried it on mine and it definitely blew up. So I was forced to download and install and build. <laughs> no, um, no. One, it's, I, I would say it's a... It's kind of an onerous build procedure. The, the documentation is good. It does walk you through all of the steps. However, if you had never seen some of those things before, 
Uh, it would be quite a nightmare to build. Uh, one of the things is they have a forked version of Hamlib that you need to use. So you have to build their Hamlib first and link it in to the JTDX build. Um, doing multi-build, multi-linked builds is not trivial, I would say, um, if you've ever had to do that. Now, like I said, the, the instructions for JTDX going through the Git, the Git repo, um, explain it very well. And all of the commands worked as they should. And the build was successful up to a point. Uh, the biggest problem is I don't recall the install script telling you what your dependencies are. Like uh, some some of the builds will tell you that you need like these cute libraries, like you need cute five multimedia and cute five serial port and, you know, so on and so forth. I don't recall seeing that in the build file, the install file. So I had to fill, I had to figure it out by running the make, watching it fail, figuring out which cute library it was missing, at installing it, doing it again, watching it fail over and over and over and over again. And I think I had to do that probably 12 times <laughs> uh, before I had all of the uh, dependencies for cute. And then after I got all of those done, then it wanted A2X and ASCII doc to build its internal manual files. Now you can turn that off, but if you don't know how to send uh, build options, that can be non-trivial too. So then I had to go through and, you know, install ASCII doc and, and A2X and, and all of that kind of stuff. So it could it build its manual pages and, and all that. And at some point, I got all the dependencies installed, and it built, and the um, the make install doesn't assume that, or it assumes that you're putting stuff into user local, but doesn't tell you to sudo the, the final command. So then you have to figure that out on your own, too. <laughs> so, so I was not terribly impressed with the build procedure. However, I did get through it. I did get it running. Um, and you'll find, I think on first, on first lighting it up that it uh, looks very similar to WSJTX. If you've ever used that, because it is essentially forked from WSJTX. So you're going to see lots of similarities, but that was my, that was my install trials and tribulations. I'm going to let Bill talk a little bit more about the operation of JTDX. And then I'm going to jump in with my, my thoughts on it, because some of the things some of the things about JTX are definitely different than WSJTX. Um, I would say they're different laterally, not better or worse, just different. Uh, but we'll get into that as we talk about the operation a little bit more. So I'll go back to you. Okay. So, yeah. So there there are some differences. And I think if you go into the configuration and settings, you kind of start to notice some of them sticking out in your face. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, uh, especially when you go into the settings and you're looking at just the general configuration, uh, because this is where you'll see something like use dark style <laughs> for your dark mode. Um, definitely uh, recommend that if you're using the dark style. Obviously, if you see the screenshot, uh, for those of you listening live, you can see a, a screenshot of my desktop uh, right there. It is using dark mode, and that's kind of what it looks like in a uh, 1440p monitor. So there's a little bit of screen real estate there. Um, you can adjust it down to give yourself some more room by, uh, you know, adjusting the application font and decoded font and stuff like that to make it more or less readable for your for your desire. But most of the options here, you're going to see 
quite a bit the same set it settings that you do in WSJTX in the general tab. Few that are a little different is the show in the display. You have the ability to show distance messages with grid. So that'll show the distance messages in with the grid information, uh, show azimuth and messages with grid, and align DX CC distance at azimuth. And this will increase the space between that information. So those three options at the very bottom uh, appear if you have enough room to see it. <laughs> and will be right in line with the decodes that you would normally see on the left-hand side of the decode screen. Um, which is pretty interesting because it does give you a lot of detailed information per line during the decode process. I have those disabled because I really don't look at it, but you know, your mileage may vary based upon how you use uh, WSJTX. Um, the radio settings, exactly the same. I see absolutely nothing different there that would stand out to be a problem. Same thing with your audio settings, <clears throat> nothing there. There's a new tab that I think fi makes you know, JTDX and JTDX improved kind of interesting. And it's called sequencing. So the sequencing allows you to change the behavior of how it automatically handles QS, the QSO. Uh, you have four options that you can adjust the timers on. Those four options are answered to someone's CQ with no response. So this is a, a setting that, that allows you to set how many times you're going to respond without hearing the person you're talking to respond, uh, specifically to their CQ. Uh, mindset it to. Uh, called CQ and received called and answered. So you called CQ, you received a call and answered, but you're not getting anything back. And that's a time setting you can set as well. Uh, sent report answering to an incoming report. So this is how many times you're going to send, you know, R negative 15 or something like that, whatever your signal is. How many times you're going to send that without a answer back? And then the same thing is when you send 73 and you're answering to an incoming Roger, you know, Roger, Roger 73, and you're not getting anything back. Same thing. Now, this is a little different. If you know in WSJTX, it has a watchdog timer. So the watchdog timer is basically how long you're going to sit there and transmit before you give up transmitting uh, and not doing anything. That also still exists in this application. Um, this allows your, while you have enabled TX running, to change the behavior of how long it sits there and tries to work one person before switching to somebody else or switching back to CQ. So... I think this particular thing is something when I was writing my own automation script for WSJTX that I implemented a lot of these things just in the behavior of WSJTX because I didn't want it to wait too long. I didn't want it to sit there and see my call as the only thing that's going out uh, and not get any response. So I find this is very, very effective in dealing with QSOs that aren't going to go complete. Um, if it skips, it runs out, and then you work another call, and somebody comes back and answers, it will retain that information, and it will complete your uh, QSO with the other person, much like WSJTX does. So like that behavior doesn't break in this process, but it does change. So you do not have to interrupt the call and click, you know, TX you know, TX6 now, you know, uh, and kind of get out of that QSO yourself. So it does save you actually interrupting that uh, that. Uh, 
that part of the conversation. Uh, let's see here. Uh, TX macros, nothing special there. Reporting, don't see anything new there. Frequencies looks the same. Notifications, filters look pretty much all the same as far as I can tell. You do have the scheduler tab. Now this goes into the band hopping. And if you do band hopping, this is where you're going to set it up. Uh, it's kind of interesting to do it. I do not have it enabled on my system. However, it is something to kind of look at and see if you want to have your system actually doing this. Uh, this is great if you're, you know, basically you leave your system running and you're just doing, you know, PSK reports, whatever, from stuff you hear for propagation purposes. You can go ahead and preset it to flip, you know, flip the band at this time, you know, go to 40 when it's, you know, seven o'clock at night and go to 80 when it's, you know, 10 o'clock or something like that. So you can do that all automatically instead of, you know, you know, if you just happen to walk away from it and it'll be in, you know, it's the middle of the day and you're running 17 meters and uh, now 17 meters is dead. So that's kind of an interesting use case should you do that and walk away from your machine. Uh, the last tab is the advanced tab, and this gets into uh, decoding information. And I can't remember if WSJTX has this particular tab, but I, I think some of the options are quite similar, like how many times it's going to try to decode, how many passes it decodes. I think that might be in a different screen on uh, on uh, WSJTX or set up a little differently. So this is uh, this is something that I have not deviated from the defaults on, but you can change how it decodes and how how it handles decoding by default. And if you hover over each numeric element, it does give you a little bit more information on what that particular value means. If you do not want to get into changing that behavior, I would suggest not changing that behavior here. Um, but that's all for the settings that uh, that I've noticed. Uh, Russ, did you want to make any comments on the setting settings or sequencing information before we go into operation? Yeah, there were a couple of things I noticed, and it probably has to do with the fact that I kind of went through it rather quickly and I might have missed a thing or two. But when it came to setting up the rig control, my my workflow always uses rig control D, and I connect to rig control through a network socket. Mm -hmm. I didn't see how to do that right away in JTDX, so I had to configure my USB serial port. Uh, I think the screen in WSJTX just allows you to select a serial port or just put in the network address. And I tried doing the network address in JTDX and it did not work. So I don't know if there was a, another place that I was supposed to be doing that in. Um, <clears throat> and I just missed it, which is entirely possible. If someone's looking at that screen, you can tell me and I'll go fix it later. Uh, it worked just fine going directly to the serial port, so that's not really an issue. As far as general operation, one thing I did notice is that WSJTX's default uh, position on TX and RX as far as your offset when you're when you're calling CQ or when you're receiving uh, or having a QSO is to have TX and RX locked together. Um, JTDX has the opposite position and you have to click the little button that's uh, somewhere near the frequency counter that that locks TXRX if you want to do that way. I mean, it's a thing that you definitely want to be able to toggle, but I think as a rule, you want to start with the two linked together. Um, there's also the thing about, since I use Grid Tracker, there's the UDP um, socket information. Uh, of course, I use Multicast on mine because I have 
multiple sh- machines running grid tracker and uh you want to if you're if you're turning that on you want to make sure that you set jttx to allow incoming udp packets so that if you click something in a grid tracker it will actually allow jttx to execute your command i.e like turn on txing for example uh so that's something you definitely want to enable um i did notice this has nothing to do with jtdx per se but if you have wsjtx and jtdx and you link them both to grid tracker grid tracker understands this very well and it gives you an option up at the top it shows in your call roster uh, both wsjtx and jtdx and you can turn them on and off individually and then in your right-hand column, you can also select between them. You can actually be running them simultaneously if you want to. Uh, not that I would do that, but it does allow you to choose which thing Grid Tracker is actually looking at, uh, which is nice. And it keeps the information whether whether you're running both at the same time or, or only one at a time. So uh, that's a Grid Tracker thing, not a JTDX thing, but I thought it was good. Um, I did not see the thing about changing font sizes. And I'm definitely going to do that because the fonts are a little big uh, for what I want to do. And also, when I was doing the configuration, the uh, arrangement of the window, uh, because the fonts were so large, uh, was kind of cluttered and overlapping and stuff like that. So I had to expand the window uh, to get it to look, you know, to get it to render properly. Um, I do not have that issue in WSJTX. Um, but again, like for my workflow, at least... Um, I was able to jump right into JTDX once I got it, you know, built and just sort of start using it because it's close enough and the options are close enough, uh, that, that, um, it doesn't change, it doesn't change how you operate very much. It just has some additional features and the, the dark style checkbox is a huge plus. I don't know if WSJTX in any version has, has got to that yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Not not that I can recall. At least last time I installed it. So I'm running like two five four. I think I don't. I don't know where they're at right now. But it, I don't oh, remember two seven two seven something. Oh yeah, so I'm way way back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, that those are the things I kind of noticed about JTDX's initial operation. Um, uh, I guess I could dive into it and look and see about connecting it to Rig Control D because I really do want to do that. I'm sure it's in there. Uh, and I just missed it, but you know, that's yeah, yeah, I know I tested it because like you can type in in the network server area where where it has a drop down for like what would be the USB control. You can actually just type into that cell the host name and and port, you know, host name colon port, and that should work in theory. I'm using FL Rig, and I just I don't have to put anything in there because it just uses a default setting. So my network server is completely empty, and I just have that set up. Yeah. So, so yeah. I'm pretty sure I put in localhost 4534 in in that field, and it did not work. But again, very cursory uh, install and, and initial procedure, so I'm definitely going to go through and, and uh, play with it some more. I, I can't say that I like the way JTDX looks right now versus WSJTX, but the the biggest thing for me is when it comes to... <laughs> When it comes to either application, I don't really look at either one of them. I am primarily looking at Grid Tracker, whichever thing I'm using. Um, I, I'm I'm focused on the call roster, and as far as how that looks with whichever thing is handling the FT8 part of it, it's identical. So um, so far, I haven't noticed any difference. I don't I don't think I've seen anything in JTDX will make me flip over to it yet, but I don't hate it at least. Yeah. Yeah, that's well. I use it primarily. I don't use the grid trackers. Uh, what call roster is that? What it's called? 
Yeah. Yeah. Similar, similar thing. But I also, I don't hunt. So I don't hunt uh, calls at all. I basically just hit CQ and then if somebody answers, then I answer them and I just go on like that. So, so I don't try to hunt DX, not, not normally, maybe very rarely will I even do that. Um, but anyway, uh, I did want to talk a little bit about the operation too, because it is a little bit different with the auto sequencing and how it behaves um, with regards to logging. Uh, so if you are using the application directly, um, you do have the option, just like in WSJTX, to prompt me to log each QSO and enable automatic logging of QSOs. So the big difference between the two of those are if you have the enable automatic logging of QSOs, it will automatically log the QSO and will disable TX. If you have the prompt me to log QSOs and you're doing CQs like I normally do, and you're finishing up a QSO and it prompts the log window to pop up, you hit OK, it'll keep transmit enabled. So if you just sit there and just keep hitting OK on your log, it will keep running until the watchdog timer is hit, which is really interesting if uh, that's the way you use the system. So that that took me a little to get used to because I wasn't used to it sort of acting fairly automatic uh, in its own behavior. But it's highly appreciated, uh, especially because, like, yeah, if you don't uh, if you don't hit the OK button, and happen to walk away, so you went to go get a drink, make a sandwich, whatever, uh, it, it it won't transmit anymore after it finishes that last QSO. But if you're sitting in front of it and you're interacting with it and you're hitting the OK button, it'll just keep on going, transmitting and working calls. So I think for people that are using it in a way in which you're trying to get lots of calls or whatever, you, you don't have to keep going back and hitting enable TX like in WSJTX where you'd have to kind of come back, click the enable button just to get it to go, you know, CQ on the next run. So I find that quite useful and a, a, a quite a different behavior change between the two different applications that I appreciate in the way I actually use the application. So I have a question for you. <clears throat> I didn't notice this. I did, I did do three QSOs. I think I did log with JTDX. But when I think the behavior was the same, I didn't notice it being different, but I'm really leery of doing auto logging in WSJTX because I've had more than one conversation, uh, conversation, i.e. QSO, with someone where you go through the steps of the conversation <clears throat> and you send your um, your 7-3, your RR 7-3, hmm. and the prompt comes up for you to log the conversation and the next thing that comes along is a signal report again from the same station. Right. Um, so if you're auto logging that, it's a bogus contact. Not necessarily because your start time is the same. So what it does, at least in mine, the way mine does, it actually updates the uh, it when it hits uh, CQR log. Occasionally, I get a second entry in there very infrequently because it's still like the open QSO. It's the one you just logged. Okay, so I wonder how that would work since, okay, I don't use CQR log. I, I log to five different things. I log to Grid Tracker, and the thing is I'm doing, Grid Tracker is doing the logging, not JTDX or WSJTX. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's where I'm completely different. Right, so WSJT, or, uh, Grid Tracker is logging to itself, it's logging to EQSL, TQSL, Cloud Log, and Club Log. But it's handling the log functions. So I, I, that may be just an issue with me because of the way I do logging. I, um, I may have to see how it works with uh, having 
having the FDA application actually do the logging. So, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, I mean, mine, like I say, could end up with a duplicate entry, in which case the first one would be busted in theory, but I don't see that as a harm foul thing. So I'm not sure if it truly matters in high frequency contacts anyway, but that's, I don't, I don't know. It all depends on what you want. And then you can go through and dedupe your log or whatever. (laughs) I mean, technically if the call is still within like a 15 minute range, it's a valid call on almost every system. So it doesn't matter. It's a pretty wide range that it accepts it because people's time clocks are going to be different and blah, 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 blah. Um, Yeah. There, there's some grace periods to those contacts. Right. I don't think Grid Tracker, if it's if you log that contact and then actually finished it later, I don't think it prompts again or auto updates. So, well, what does it do with that? If it responded, it should do something. Uh, I think depending on where the where the re response is, like if it's if it's at the appropriate spot, like you send your if if you send your SNR again. And then another 7.3, I think it will prompt you for another log, so you probably get a duplicate. Um, but I don't think it has the, the ability to update. Yeah. So probably, yeah, it probably just creates a new entry. So when you hit 73 or that, whatever the sequence is that, you know, brings you to that logging step, which would be the triple R's or the 73. Um, yeah, you'd probably end up with a second entry. I still yeah. don't think that's a huge, huge deal either way. It does It does properly answer back to whatever sequence that the person is responding to you in. Because I see this, too, where people come back on their side and they're no longer sending a response as if you CQ'd and they're sending a response as if they CQ'd. <laughs> it changes the order of stuff. And the application seems to switch properly into the right mode because I've seen mine go back and it'll send a, you know, triple R or whatever uh, based upon their their response again. So, and then it'll re-log the contact. So you'll end up with that duplicate. Okay, so so Darren in the chat has an interesting uh, <laughs> hack that might actually fix this problem for me. <laughs> he says if you, instead of using RR73, you use RRR and have to wait for the 7.3, you won't get the prompt to log until it actually happens. And in that case, you will have a, a completed QSO. So that might fix everything. Yeah, possible. Possible hacks, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I also noticed there you can, uh, I don't know if this is in WSJTX, but you can also spot directly to uh, DX Summit as well. So that's that's something I haven't seen uh, in one of the settings here for reporting. Uh, yeah. yeah, other than that, I mean, there are some interesting uh, settings that you can do for how many threads you're attaching to FT8 and how many decoding cycles you're going to do that are exposed just on the menu itself. If you go up to the top where you see like the file file view mode, there's a decode uh, option here and you can play around with that as well. I think I've seen a website that suggests certain default values. Again, I haven't changed any of mine and I believe those default suggested values are the ones that are in the application itself. Uh, There are some, uh, options to do stuff to the view for the screen or for the layout and stuff like that that you can see in the miscellaneous uh, drop down as well uh, so little t- check boxes there for hiding messages hiding contest messages so if you want to get rid of like you know cq roundups or whatever or cq field day uh, you can get rid of some of that stuff that's in there as well so you can do a little filtering uh, with the miscellaneous options um and you can actually set it to disable. So you can turn the 
behavior back that we were just talking about. You can disable TX after sending Roger, 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 or Roger, Roger, 73, and, or 73 in manual mode. So you can get it to behave more like more like WSJTX if you wanted to get rid of that, which at first, yeah, that was kind of weird that it, it's still going. Oh, okay. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I do and then I thought if I turned it to auto login, it would still go. But yeah, definitely an auto login. It does not, <laughs> it does not keep TX enabled because that would be like the ultimate hack, right? So, um, but if you're uh, writing your own script at home, you, all you have to do is look for that OK button and you're off to the races. Yeah, see, I um, I do all that filtering stuff in Grid Tracker. <laughs> uh, I leave WSJTX wide open. It can send anything, any data it wants, and then I just when I'm whatever I'm looking for, I use Grid Tracker to fill. I, I like I said, I don't even look at WSJTX. It just has to be running. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm just the opposite. So. <laughs> <laughs> Like I, like I shared in my screen post, I, yeah, I have Grid Tracker there just to sh- for for showing tell. I guess <laughs> I don't really for use it at all. Tell, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we turned it on when uh, Tag was here. <laughs> uh, so I made room for it on my my screen. Um, other than that, there are uh, in the show notes. I did put in a link to the forum for uh, uh, the JTDX format forum, which has you know people actively talking about questions and everything else with regards to the software. So should you actually have any issues or stuff like that or questions of general support nature, whether that be with uh, cat control, decoding, auto sequencing, installation, configuration, etc., you can check out their uh, their forum over on uh, free. I think they yeah they're on freeforums.net. Uh, but we have a, a shortened link for you to get to that uh, that location. And uh, I mean overall, I mean I'm probably going to stick with this because uh, you know unless there's like a major change to WSJTX that doesn't get uh, published over to this application, uh, whether that be decoder changes or whatever, especially version breaking decoder changes, I'll probably stick with it and. Uh, use it for my ft8 stuff just because it really doesn't matter to me (laughs) which application i'm actually using um but uh yeah yeah so uh yeah w i mean jttx is i think a, a an interesting tool for this particular use just because of some of the little nuanced differences of how it behaves with that sequencing i think that's quite uh quite a different behavior that can possibly help you out or maybe hurt you <laughs> in your use of the application. So uh, what else do you have to finish up with this, Russ? I think otherwise, I think we're good on the topic. Yeah, I think so. Like I said at the beginning, I kind of feel like the both of them are, are similar enough that whichever one you choose is kind of like a lateral move. It's just which, which interface you are attracted to more because uh, the functionality is essentially the same. Uh, there are a few more tweaks inside of JTDX for sure than WSJTX. Uh, I don't know if it's enough to change anybody's mind, but if those are the features that you want, I mean, certainly it's not gonna it's not gonna be an issue to migrate from one to the other. Uh, the way they link to loggers and PSK reporter and grid tracker and all that remains exactly the same. So, I mean, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to use JTDX for a while and see if it grows on me. Uh, but honestly, I could see me using them interchangeably. Um, so, you know, really aside from the fact that I really wish they would put out a deb that works for newer versions of Ubuntu, um, you know, 
I'm cool with either one. Now, having said that right now, it means that I have the Git repos and I have everything built. So all of the latest updates are now just to Git pull and rebuild away. So maybe that's the way for me to continue going with it because it'll stay more updated than uh, WSJTX will. So, but on the whole, uh, I don't dislike it. I think it's good. As soon as I figure out how to link it to rig control D, um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and use it for a while and see how it sits in my flow. And uh, uh, who knows, maybe my mind will be changed and I'll be using it from here on out. We'll see. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, try it out. And uh, I guess we'll be moving on to announcements and feedback. Yeah, I guess we will. But um, I, I don't see any. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we have any. This is the beginning of the year. I guess we're all, uh, all fresh on uh, announcements and feedback. So uh be tuned for the next uh, next show, huh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we'll get some feedback, something else to talk about, maybe some things we need to talk about. It won't be long before we're talking about Hamvention. I know that. So, um, you know, it it seems like it seems like the uh, those three weeks that we had there with uh, the the time off. <laughs> I don't know where it went because I I don't even remember it. <laughs> Just maybe we're gonna have to take a month or two months off instead. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh, no, we won't do that. But anyway, let's uh, bring Cheryl in here to wrap up the show with the new subscribers and so on. And then we'll go on and uh, let you get on with your evening. All right. So this time we did not have any new subscribers and Patreons, but we did have Travis Taylor, Ricky Schinkel, Kevin Apont, Jason Paul, and 17 miscellaneous other people join us on Facebook because Facebook is, uh, mm, yeah, they, they won't show us those names for whatever reason. On Twitter or X, we had at 0XTTFX and at Telewoo95117 join us. On YouTube, we had Ledger H, James Baker, and Tom Harris Jr. On Discord, we had Nymandum, Simone underscore Sola97, Dave MQ, Teleco, and CLFV. On Instagram, we had Jose Antonio uh, Vegas Garcia, uh, mountain.home.gmrs.repeater, and Gorkon280. Hi, Joel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> haven't heard from joel in a long time yeah well he, he's still out there yeah. uh on mastodon we had k-e-a-u-p-e at w9bln and at kb6nu for merchandise sales we had cheryl Ahrens. on the mailing list we had kb3bmt and on our live chat tonight we have dan kb6nu steve ka7hvt Winston, KD2WLL, Steve, KJ5T, Joel, KC0, excuse me, KC0YEW, Don, KC9ZMY, Darren, VK6EK, and John, K1BTZ. All right. Well, thank you for, for getting down through that list and thank all of you for joining us. Uh, I guess Dan finally decided to join us on Mastodon. Maybe he's new to Mastodon. So. That's why he showed up there. But obviously, well, he's, he's been, been a while. There. He's been on there for a while. Oh, he's been on there for a while. Well, I guess he just didn't know about us. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's been a, a friend of ours for a long, long time. So so welcome, Dan, on, on Mastodon. And uh, thanks, everybody, for being a part of the show, whether you're a supporter or a listener. It makes no difference. We really appreciate each and every one of you. It makes what we do worth doing. And for those of you who support us financially, that helps keep the lights on. And that uh, keeps us going every seven days. And we hope we'll catch you for the next one, which will be a short topics episode. 
and I don't see any issues with uh, recording at the normal time at this point, so that's when you'll have to join us next, and we hope you will. In the meantime, have a great week, and we'll talk to you when the next one comes around. This has been episode number 528 of Linux in the Hamshack, and we'll send you on your way. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. (laughs) 